Today is March 3rd, 2021, and our first story. Yesterday, Governor Greg Abbott announced that the state of Texas would be completely reopened. COVID lockdowns would effectively be ended for the most part, and many other cities and states have announced they will be easing restrictions as well. But this has many prominent liberals furious, some even saying that Texas has taken the side of the virus and should not get the vaccine. It's a pretty absurd position, but it seems there is a tribal divide over whether or not we should be reopening right now with the vaccine in play. Our next story in a leaked video, Alex Jones is heard saying that he is sick of Donald Trump and he wishes he never met Trump or Roger Stone. But it seems like this may be taken a bit out of context. Was he really saying he was sick of Donald Trump? And does it really matter? Our last story Democrats were outraged over the shape of the stage at the Conservative Political Action Conference, saying it looked like some kind of Nazi symbol. Well, they tried getting the Republicans canceled, as it were. But as it turns out, the individual who designed the stage, actually a Democrat woman who runs a company which has worked with MSNBC and even Joe Biden, it would appear that this outrage has absolutely backfired on the Democrats. Well, Let's get into that first story. Yesterday afternoon, the governor of Texas tweeted, I just announced Texas is open 100% everything. I also ended the statewide mask mandate. And it's not just Texas doing this. Mississippi has also lifted mask mandates. There have been many states that lifted lockdowns quite some time ago. But with this announcement, yes, there are many liberals, Democrats who are absolutely furious, saying that we're so close to ending this pandemic. And if they reopen now, it's all going to get a whole lot worse. I don't know. Things have been doing. uh, They've been going pretty well in Florida for the most part. I mean, look, I, I get it. Any death is bad. But what are we supposed to do when we have death? Just stop living, sacrificing our kids when we know it's causing severe depression, anxiety, and even suicide. No, 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 no. We, we, we can't do that. It's always been the case that the reasonable approach is to protect the vulnerable, moderate restrictions, but get the economy back up and running. For some reason, it has become purely tribal. The best example of this, in my opinion, is that right now in Canada, if you try to fly into Canada, They will send you to a government quarantine facility. I know it sounds scary, doesn't it? They're actually, for the most part, just hotels, but they're not pretty. There was one really horrible story about a woman who got assaulted in the hotel. There's one story from a conservative journalist where he was given like cold freezer waffles to eat. So it doesn't seem all that fun. But Huffington Post and many leftist media outlets say it was great. I was in a hotel. I was chilling, relaxing, all in all a good experience. And from the right, it's this is terrible and horrifying. And we should not be forced by government when we're healthy to quarantine for three days at our own expense in these hotels. The divide is right there. The left is saying it's fine. Just go to the hotel. It's it's no big deal. And the right is saying, no, we're not going to do it. I happen to fall on the side of don't give the authoritarians an inch because they'll take a mile. If there's no good reason to force someone into a hotel, you shouldn't. And if you absolutely have to, because we do want to make sure people don't get sick and die, we're not spreading a disease. Well, then maybe you should treat them very, very well because you're the one telling them they have to go do it. Of course, the response then is don't travel during a global pandemic. 
Well, of course, you got the usual players. You've got the lunacy of Keith Olbermann screaming about taking away vaccines from Texas. And you have Michael Moore saying much the same thing. And many leftist publications saying, Texas, what are you doing? You're going to you're going to you're going to ruin everything for everybody. Well, that's the benefit, I suppose, of being United States. The states decide for themselves. If you don't like what Texas is doing, I mean, it's kind of simple. Just enact more restrictions on your state, which seems to be the case. In Germany, for instance, and many other countries, they're only going to get more strict. And Joe Biden has now stated, you can expect things to return to normal by this time next year. Where is that, Joe? You're talking about the United States? Okay, I guess. But if you live in Texas, Governor Greg Abbott says they are 100% open. So Joe Biden must only be talking to these blue states, which, well, then it makes sense why many of these more liberal types are upset over this. If they have to do it, you should too. There's a viral video recently where a guy, uh, a month or so ago, maybe a couple of months ago, where a guy's actually harassing a woman in a grocery store because she wasn't wearing a mask. And the man actually says, does anybody think it's, it's fair that we all have to wear masks and she doesn't? And there it is. The real anger we see is not that the lockdowns are being lifted. They're upset that they have to lock down in their blue states. And Joe Biden says so. And Republicans don't have to. Young people, not even like not even particularly political ones, are probably going to go celebrate and party now that they can. Well, let's read the story and see what's going on. And we'll talk about the latest political rhetoric. And I'll show you where the divide is. I mean, it's very, very, it's very obvious. The left says lock it down. It's fine. The right says no. Before we get started, however, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to get access to exclusive members-only segments of the TimCast IRL podcast. Conversations YouTube typically does not allow us to have are available at TimCast.com. We set this up in the event that we get banned. We have some way to keep producing content and we're going to be expanding. So your membership really does support the growth of, of my network and new shows and new channels, which will be coming. But don't forget, like, share, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Let's read the first story from NBC News. They say, Texas and Mississippi to lift mask mandates and roll back COVID restrictions. The governors of Texas and Mississippi both announced on Tuesday they would be lifting their their state's mask mandates and rolling back many of their COVID-19 health mandates. Just one day after the CDC warned against complacency in the face of emerging coronavirus variants. It is now time to open Texas 100 percent. Texas Governor Greg Abbott said Tuesday at Montalongo's Mexican restaurant in Lubbock. COVID has not suddenly disappeared, he said, but state mandates are no longer needed. Shortly after Abbott's announcement, Governor Tate Reeves announced that he would end Mississippi's statewide mask mandate effective Wednesday of this week. You may have seen my segment the other day. If you didn't, you can check it out. Texas has entertained or, or some individuals in Texas have entertained the idea of seceding from the union. I know many people say it's absurd, but this is what I don't understand. The Texas electrical grid is mostly independent. So when this winter storm hit Texas, they were in very serious trouble. You then had many of the leftists, many well tribal leftists, I should say, attacking Texas, saying, you see what you do, you, you push and you, and you rag on the federal government, and now you need federal assistance. And I'm like, why, why aren't you in support of Texas secession? You know, you know what I mean? Like, if you think what Governor Greg Abbott is doing is bad and that it's going to spread COVID, then shouldn't you be like, by all means, secede and we'll put up borders around your state so that sick people can't come in? Well, then you got a different predicament. 
because then the southern border of the United States would need border security and perhaps border walls to keep out those who might be sick. So then my question is this. When it comes to the issue of immigration, no one on the left seems to care about people coming through the borders without any check, without any uh, like uh, tracking system so that we know who's coming in, why they're coming in. And many of these people have no vaccinations and may very well be sick as well. It's why we closed down the border in the first place. So I don't think you get to be angry with Texas and their porous borders over their lack of restrictions, because guess what? Mexico is also particularly lax when it comes to coronavirus. So what's the difference if people come from Mexico into the U.S. and Mexico isn't enforcing COVID restrictions as heavily as the U.S. is? Well, then you run the risk of COVID spreading. Maybe there needs to be a little bit of consistency. I don't know. Just pick one. You want to say we, we don't like what Texas is doing? OK, well, then enforce the southern border. You want to say we don't like what they're doing? Well, then do you support their secession? Then you got to secure the border, as it were. Well, let's read a little bit more. Quote, our hospitalizations and case numbers have plummeted and the vaccine is being rapidly distributed. Reeves tweeted, it is time. On Monday, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky strongly cautioned against the very rollbacks that Abbott and Reeves were about to implement. Quote, I am really worried about reports that more states are rolling back the exact public health measures we have recommended to protect people from COVID-19, Walensky said. Please hear me clearly. At this level of cases with variants spreading, we stand to completely lose the hard-earned ground we have gained. President Joe Biden echoed those concerns Tuesday, even as he announced the U.S. will have enough COVID-19 vaccine doses for every adult by the end of May. The fight is far from over, Biden said. Though we celebrate the news, I urge all Americans, please keep washing your hands, stay socially distanced, wear masks. Abbott said his new executive order would rescind most of his prior COVID-19 executive orders and that all businesses would be allowed to open 100 percent effective March 10th. The end of the mask mandate makes Texas, population 29 million, the largest state to end a rule aimed to slow the spread of the coronavirus pandemic. In a speech championing Texas's economic prowess, Abbott said that too many Texans were sidelined from employment opportunities while businesses operated at reduced capacity because of the restrictions. Abbott said the Lone Star State is today in a completely different position than it was when Abbott first issued a coronavirus executive order in March 2020. Quote, we now have vaccines, Abbott said, adding that Texas set a one day record of vaccine administration on Tuesday and is now averaging one million vaccine dose administrations per week. Abbott also claimed that the millions of Texans who caught and recovered from covid mean that millions, quote, have proven the have the proven ability to beat the disease. Covid still exists, Abbott said, but it is clear from the recoveries from the from the vaccinations from the reduced hospitalizations and from the safe practices that Texans are using, the state mandates are no longer needed. In subsequent tweets, Reeves said that Mississippi was rewarded for keeping its businesses mostly open with more jobs and economic recovery. Executive orders that interfere with people's lives were the worst, but the only possible intervention for much of the last year, Reeves said. Now we are putting our focus towards rapid vaccine distribution. We are getting out of the business of telling people what they can and cannot do. It's very interesting. Of course, you'll end up seeing from many on the left, outrage, mockery, derision. I mean, if these states decide they want to reopen, well, then so be it, right? Just don't go there. Take care of yourself. It's very strange. The argument seems to be when people on the right say you should be able, if the state wants to do it, they're allowed to do it. The left says, well, then if the risk is on you, I should be able to drive with my eyes closed because then why don't you just stay home if you're scared of people who are going to crash their car? And it's like, listen, 
There's a big difference between driving a car and living, eating food and having a job. It's not just so simple to make these claims. Well, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Michael Moore says, Texas, we hear you. You didn't want to be a part of our electrical grid, and now you've removed your mask mandate and are allowing large crowds together. We hear you. COVID is a hoax, says Michael Moore, not me. So you don't need our precious vaccine. We'll send it to people who are saving lives by wearing masks. Okay, I get it. A little tongue in cheek, sure. But what's the point of the tweet? Texas clearly wants to do it. And the people who live there probably going to be fine with it, right? Well, the next one's a little over the top, but here we go. Keith Olbermann says, why are we wasting vaccinations on Texas if Texas has decided to join the side of the virus? Okay, (laughs) I need to uh, call for some assistance from my good friend Siraj Hashmi, who has the Twitter list of people whose phones should be taken away. Now, far be it from me to tell Siraj who he should be adding to his list. But Keith Olbermann, I believe, qualifies as likely does Michael Moore. Joining the side of the virus. That's a bold comment. Cameron Kasky says, gee, I don't know, Keith, probably because human lives are worth protecting unless you're an effing psychopath. I have to agree. And one uh, Twitter user, Adam Best, Adam Bess is, uh, he says he makes films. He's a fan of progressive policy, responds to Keith Olbermann saying, when Keith Olbermann asked, why are we wasting vaccines on Texas? Adam says, Greg Abbott decided this. Texas has one of the largest amounts of Democratic voters of any state. You shouldn't want Republican voters to die, even if you vehemently disagree with them. Society has outgrown its need for Keith Olbermann. Bravo, good sir, Adam Bess. That is a beautifully crafted tweet. I completely agree. Look, it's ridiculous that you'd be like, Texas shouldn't get the vaccine like Michael Moore as well. Dude, Democrats live in Texas, too, bro. And why? And and look, they're like Republicans should not be dying. Okay, you know what I mean? Like you don't want anyone to die. All right. Give them the vaccine. That's what they're talking about. They're saying we have the vaccine. Hospitalizations are down. The vaccine is going to allow us to reopen. How insane and sociopathic is it for people like Olbermann? Or like Michael Moore to suggest, people in Texas should not get the vaccine, which literally is supposed to allow them to reopen unless they paradoxically decide to get the vaccine, but not reopen. I mean, that's, that's, that's a little weird, right? Doesn't quite make a whole lot of sense. Well, take a look at what Biden is saying. According to the AP, Biden stands by May timeline for vaccines for all U.S. adults. In this, he actually says next year. Let's read a little bit. They say Biden's announcements quickly raised expectations from the nation could safely emerge from the pandemic. But even as he expressed optimism, Biden quickly tempered the outlook. Quote, I've been cautioned not to give an answer to that because we don't know for sure. Biden said before saying his hope for a return to normal was sometime before, quote, this time next year. As Biden spoke, states across the country were moving to relax virus related restrictions. This despite the objections of the White House and the nation's top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who have warned against any relaxation of virus protocols until more Americans are vaccinated. Well, I'll just tell you this, my friends, if the states decide to do it, it is not the job of Joe Biden, nor is it for the most part within his authority to dictate what they can or cannot do. I remember when everyone was mad saying Donald Trump should have used the war powers to mandate all of the states lock everything down. Yeah, the president could theoretically do that. It is a bold 
move that would likely result in very serious anger and potentially the shattering of confidence in the American system. If you have somebody who lives in the middle of, I don't know, West Virginia, and there's a federal mandate from Joe Biden, these people are going to say no. And then what do you do? Send in the, 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 the feds, send in DHS. You can't send them everywhere, which would be dangerous present for the federal government, because then you'd get a whole bunch of people being like, hey, look, no feds are actually coming to do anything. And then you break confidence in the actual federal government, which is one of the reasons Joe Biden probably would not do this. And probably one of the reasons Trump didn't do it either, aside from the fact that Trump was pro remaining open for the most part. And some states never really shut down. But it would be a really dumb move to sacrifice the credibility of the federal government simply to make a point, I guess. Sorry, it can't happen if the states don't want to do it. This is the rock in the hard place. But don't worry, it's not just uh, Keith Olbermann and Michael Moore who are ragging on Texas. There's, of course, left wing organizations, uh, news outlets like Slate, for instance, that rags on Texas. The headline says Texas governor declares state 100 percent open because Texas is still Texas. I actually like that headline. It doesn't matter if you're for or against, you know, uh, Texas doing this. Uh, Texas is Texas. Texas is going to do Texas stuff. The article actually is fairly derisive, saying if you had to guess one state that against medical advice would ditch all the coronavirus safety measures just as the tide is starting to turn, it would be Texas. That's just not true. Texas is opening 100 percent, but there still are some protections in place. Notably, people are going to are expected to get vaccines and they're probably still going to have to social distance at some capacity, but they're allowing everyone to open up. Notice how the articles talking about this from NBC said most of the covid restrictions. So ditching all the coronavirus safety measures. Come on, chill out. More importantly, y'all want to rag on Texas. OK, Texas isn't the only state lifting covid-19 restrictions from Business Insider. Here's how 11 other states and cities are easing lockdowns despite the CDC insisting that now is not the time, which brings me to another interesting point. I know I may be saying it's the blue states that for the most part are going to be locked down. And it's these, you know, Michael Moore and Keith Olbermann types who are like, if I have to do it, you have to do it. Otherwise, you don't get the vaccine. Yeah, well, Michigan, Chicago, there are many jurisdictions that are starting to ease uh, to ease up the restrictions, jurisdictions easing the restrictions. So Business Insider says the CDC warned Monday of a potential resurgence of covid in the U.S. despite a dip in numbers of new cases nationally. Quote, at this level of cases with variants spreading, we stand to completely lose the hard earned ground we have gained. Rochelle Walensky, the head of the CDC, said now is not the time to relax the critical safeguards that we know can stop the spread of COVID-19 in our communities. Texas is not the only place. Check it out. They say Mississippi, Louisiana and Michigan, as well as Chicago and San Francisco, all made announcements to ease restrictions on Tuesday, though the details varied. Montana, Iowa, North Dakota, and Mississippi have already waived mass wearing restrictions, and Michigan has, has, Michigan has eased other lockdown restrictions. Florida, Georgia, and South Carolina have not enforced statewide mask mandates throughout the pandemic. In Florida and South Dakota, schools and businesses have been widely open for months. More than 35 U.S. states have kept their mask wearing rules in place, albeit with variable enforcement. They say here, here are some of how the cities and states are easing their restrictions. Chicago, they announced Tuesday that hospitality, sports and performance venues could increase to 50 percent capacity up from 40. The maximum number of people is 50 or 20 people for indoor fitness classes. Curfews were also extended. 
The changes were effective as of, as of Tuesday. San Francisco, they say that indoor dining and fitness and museums, movie theaters would be allowed to reopen at limited capacity. Louisiana also opened up Michigan, Michigan, Mississippi, North Carolina, Arkansas, Massachusetts, Washington, Montana, Iowa. So it's not just Texas. It's just an easy click rage bait piece of garbage. So I ask you this, Mr. Olbermann and Mr. Michael Moore. And I'll add this too. Michael Moore once donated to my work back in the day during Occupy Wall Street. I'll ask you this. Would you like to please come out and issue those statements targeting the blue states and cities that are also easing their restrictions? Because it's not just red states. Now, I get it. Maybe the response would be Chicago didn't wipe out every rule and San Francisco didn't wipe out every rule. But yeah, well, neither did Texas for the most part. Only most of them. So where's the line? That's the question I have. What was the one thing that Texas did you disagree with? Was it the amount of people allowed to be at a diner? Because I got to tell you, I don't think you can accurately quantify the amount of people that is too many people. You're not the expert. And these states have their own you know, health experts who advise on what they should or shouldn't do. So long as we stay locked down permanently, even in the face of, the, of this virus, I got to tell you, it's absolutely insane. Just the other day, Tucker Carlson said lockdowns are killing our children and everyone knows it, including teachers unions. Union leaders push school closures, then said their own kids for in-person instruction. I did briefly mention this the other day as well. It was, I believe it was the president of the California's teachers union who sent his own children to a private school while saying that schools are not safe to be reopened. And I have a question for you. Do you think there may be an ulterior motive as to why they're doing all of this, why they're locking everything down? If they know kids are dying, if there are blue areas that are easing restrictions as well, why are there so many leftists advocating or demanding we stay locked down? Because mind you, it's not all of them. Like I said, Chicago and SF are easing restrictions. So who's Michael Moore to, to defy these people? I wonder. Forbes, a report from Carly Porterfield says the world needs, it's a report, world needs equivalent of pandemic lockdown every two years to meet Paris carbon emission goals. Interesting. There was an article from the New York Times about how the earth is healing amid this lockdown. My friends, we are fastly approaching the anniversary of the 15 day lockdown to slow the spread, the anniversary. And Joe Biden's implying it will be on the second anniversary will actually end the 15 days to slow the spread. I have to wonder, is there a political motivation for locking everything down? There very well may be people who fear that we have 10 years or eight years until the world ends. Conveniently, there's a pandemic to lock everything down. Look, I'm not saying that's the case. I'm not advocating for any kind of conspiracy. I'm telling, I'm saying there are certainly people who recognize that their political goals and desires are being met amidst this lockdown. You got to take into consideration while there may not be a grand conspiracy, there probably isn't. There's certainly people probably going, should we take the risk to reopen? And then someone says, well, look, there is a risk. That's true. But there also is the political benefit of reducing carbon emissions. So why don't we err on the safe side and just go for it? It is a factor contributing to why we are remaining locked down. But it's also it also means that the economy is going to be just continually decimated, just nonstop. Serious risks to people's life, liberty, happiness, etc., because they can't work and they're struggling to survive. And certainly you can't expect Republicans or Democrats, for that matter, to provide any real relief 
When was that check supposed to come in? I don't know. Apparently it hasn't for, for, for anybody. Over in other countries, we're seeing similar things. U.S. News says Greece, tougher lockdown rules target exercise cheats. Authorities in Greece say police will target people making false exercise claims to bypass stay-at-home orders as part of tougher new restrictions. Because you're allowed to go outside, outside for exercise, right? Well, they're going to be like, no, 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 you're just going out because you want to go outside. You can't just go outside. You got to go stay home. Greece was crazy. This is a place where apparently they were telling people they had to like text the cops. I'm going to go outside. And why? Check this out. Draft agreement confirms Germany plans to extend coronavirus lockdown. Germany plans to extend its COVID lockdown until March 28th, but will allow small private gatherings from Monday. A draft agreement for talks between Chancellor Angela Merkel and leader of the federal states showed how some restrictions could be lifted. It's interesting. Why the lockdowns remain in some parts of the world, in some countries, in some states, and not in others? Could there be a political motivation or at the very least a political bias? Yes, I think that's absolutely obvious. First, I want to show you this from Rebel News. This is Rebel News is no COVID jail. We need to protect our fellow countrymen from Trudeau's state sanctioned kidnappers. That's a very bold and bombastic statement coming from Rebel News. They talk about, well, let me, let me read it. They say, my friend and colleague Kian Bexty has been doing hard time without parole in one of Trudeau's COVID jails. Kian was nabbed at the Calgary airport after being sent on assignment in Florida. He was doing real journalism, investigating what life is like in the Sunshine State, where Republican Governor Ron DeSantis rejected lockdowns from the very beginning. Unlike CBC's boss, Lady Catherine Tate, who lives in New York, yet routinely commutes back to Canada to collect her taxpayer-funded salary, Kian was not offered the same exceptions exceptions to the new forced hotel quarantine that many bailout journalists receive. Though though journalism, which Kean was obviously absolutely doing, is one of those exempt professions like trucking or energy production. Kean knew he would be snatched up and shuttled off to the hotel, but he is making the best of a terrible infringement of his rights by documenting what he's experienced what he experiences. From the airport testing procedures to life inside the overpriced hotel, where he gets just a handful of fresh air breaks per day out of his room, all of which come with a constant security escort. It's not the end of the world. It's not jail to be put in a hotel necessarily. But I got I to I gotta tell you, the jails in Sweden are probably better accommodation than the Westin Hotel or wherever he may be. And I'm not trying to disparage the hotels. Prisons in Sweden and Norway, for that matter, really nice. And they're, they're really nice. So if you're forced to go here, even for a few days, and you got to pay for it, it's pretty bad. I, I err on the side of don't give them an inch at all. Don't justify them taking someone without legitimate cause. And it's an argument over what's legitimate. I think if there's no test confirming that you're sick, you tell them go home and quarantine. Where do you plan on staying? At your house? Go home. And that's what this journalist said. Kian said, I could just go home for 14 days. It's no big deal. No, 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 no. They want you to go to a hotel. And they force you to do it. Well, so here's the bias. Take a look at this article from the Huffington Post. I isolated in a COVID-19 quarantine hotel, and it was nothing like you would expect. Quote, when I told people I was going to stay in a government-sponsored quarantine hotel, they said it sounded like a plot of a horror movie. I was between homes when I found out I'd been exposed to COVID. I live in SF, and the city provides free government-sponsored COVID-19 testing. My results came in roughly 30 hours. 30 hours later, I tested negative. However, false negatives are possible especially in an infection, and it can take two to 14 days for symptoms to show up. I couldn't move in anywhere new or crash with friends because I might have had the virus. 
I'd been laid off. But San Francisco provides free quarantine hotels for people who have nowhere else to isolate. I left a message on the hotline explaining my situation when they called and asked if I was ready to go. The dispatcher made sure I knew what I was getting myself into. It's total isolation. So you can go for a walk around the parking lot with your mask on. That's about it. Wow. Okay. I said I went. The van came to pick me up, yada, yada. The point is, they're not describing the end of the world. They're explaining that it's actually not so bad. I was getting into the riveting routine I developed, and this isn't the only one. It's just one showing that while they're not acting like it's the greatest thing in the world, they're like, I called them and said I'd like to come. There's an article from Huffington Post as well about a family that went to a COVID hotel in Canada, much like the other journalist, which has the very similar narrative of all in all was a fairly okay experience. We went there and while there were some hiccups and hangups, mostly we were okay. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of being like the government told me that I was going to spend two grand to go to a hotel for three days and the conditions weren't that great, but I was happy with it. No, even if we have to do it, it should be begrudgingly. We should always say, I despise that we were forced to do this. It's disgusting that I had to pay for it. I can understand why they want these quarantines. But you see the left right split on the right. They're basically saying this is an absolute infringement of our rights and you can't do this. I don't completely agree with that. I think that when there is a legitimate national security crisis, sometimes we have to take extreme measures. I mean, if World War Three really broke out and a bunch of, you know, ships from a foreign country landed on the beaches of California, you're probably going to need the draft. I mean, maybe not, but you will see American militias fighting to defend this country. Most people might say, I refuse to you can't force me to enlist or whatever. A lot of people will probably say yeah, in the event that someone's invading my home. OK, maybe the point is in the event of emergencies, sometimes you have to do this stuff. I'll give you an example. The Office of Censorship. During World War II, the U.S. had an Office of Censorship. Free speech was entirely curtailed. But we get why that was, right? We can be upset with it, but it was true that loose links, loose lips sink ships. You see how I lips and sinks and whatever. The argument was there was certain information you wouldn't realize could cause serious harm to the U.S. And it did actually happen. I'm not a fan of censorship. I am, however, a fan of the U.S. defending its interests and us recognizing personal sacrifice. In that capacity, I wear a mask, but I'm not okay with overt authoritarianism without legitimate cause, and that cause needs to be legitimized. When we're talking about a world war, you get a fairly good legitimate argument for why we have to keep our mouths shut on certain issues. But when you have a 99.95 survival rate for most people, and the survival rate of 97.5, all of this hardcore lockdown and extreme hotel quarantine stuff is not justified. In Australia, they were talking about sending people to rural camps, and that's not justified either. What is justified is protecting the vulnerable, not putting sick people in nursing homes like the Democrats actually did, and allowing people to work with some precautions. So I have to, I have to, I have to just point this out. How can you justify a hardcore lockdown because the elderly are vulnerable, but then these Democratic governors put the sick people in the nursing homes. Sorry, you did not justify anything. So no, I don't agree with Biden and I don't agree with the Democrats because there's no rhyme or reason to what it is they're doing. So when I see Governor Greg Abbott, who didn't put sick people in nursing homes, at least as far as I can tell, maybe he did, I don't know, saying we're going to reopen up and we're going to have some precautions. I'm like, makes sense to me. 
When I see the left saying the quarantine hotels are, are fine, don't worry about it, Texas is dumb, and then ignoring blue cities and states that are doing similar things, I'm just like, dude, what are you talking about? It's tribal garbage. I don't believe you. I think you're just doing this for the sake of tribalism. It's meaningless. And then you hear, well, the planet is healing. So there you go. I don't trust it, right? We'll see how it plays out with other states. As per the end of most of my segments, Joe Biden says we'll have to wait a year. If you live in one of these blue states, that's probably the case for everybody else. The rest of us, we're going to be barbecuing. I'm going to invite some people over. We'll, it's, the weather is getting nice. It's amazing out right now. I can see the mountains. It's pretty. I can't wait for the leaves to come back. I am going to, you know what I'm going to do? I got, I tell you this, Portillo's, okay? You guys know the secret of Portillo's? Shout out to Chicago local Portillo's. You get bratwurst. Do they have brats? They have Polish sausage. They have Polish sausage. They got Italian beef. Mm. And you get something called jardinera. I'm going to order up a bunch of this. We're going to put it all on the grill. And we are going to have an amazing, uh, amazing, amazing cookout. We'll get some veggies up on the grill. It's going to be beautiful. Nobody's going to be wearing a mask. Why? We're in the middle of nowhere. I'm not going to invite the world. Don't freak out. Tim's getting all these lefties are like, Tim's having big parties. We're going to have a small handful of people well within the guidelines. We'll take it seriously. But you guys wait till next year, I suppose. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. It is a live show. We will take your comments. Thanks for hanging out. And we will see you all then. In leaked audio from a 2019 interview, Alex Jones is heard saying that he is so effing sick of Trump and he wishes he never met Trump or Roger Stone. He says it's it's not the attacks against him. Oh, he's just so sick of them and something about, I don't know, transdimensional something or other. It's Alex Jones. You get it. Now, in this story, the person who leaked the footage says it shows that Alex Jones is disingenuous, that, you know, he's peddling things to Trump supporters. That's what the, the Southern Poverty Law Center says. They're the ones who, who published the footage. They're, they're basically trying to make it seem like Alex Jones is lying to his base. And the, the inference is essentially that this is what Trump does to his supporters. Maybe, maybe. But I think the one thing that needs to be brought up here is the important context of the matter. In 2019, Alex Jones said he was sick of Trump. Well, I don't think this is anything special. I don't necessarily think uh, that Alex Jones is saying he is sick of Donald Trump as a person. But from what I gather, based on the fact that I've had conversations with Alex Jones, and I think we've literally talked about this on my podcast, he's sick of the subject matter of Donald Trump. So Alex Jones ends up leading a rally on January 6th. He's now apparently being investigated. The FBI says they're investigating people like him and Ali Alexander to see what influence they had on the people who were storming into the Capitol. My understanding is that Alex Jones can repeatedly said peaceful, peaceful, peaceful. Even when I covered the story, Alex Jones said we will peacefully occupy. And I talked about how if people actually did like a, a leftist style sit in, you'd actually bring about change. The violence clearly did not work and doesn't work. And it's strange that people think it does. We're not in that era anymore. And so I say that all the time. They're like, well, it worked in the past. Well, of course it worked in the past. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have communications. So you'd hear a story a month after it happened. We're in the era of instant transmission. So that means what you do matters. In terms of, you know, peacefully occupying and perception and things like that. Obviously what you do matters. But the story is about media manipulation. And I think this is, I think what they're trying to do is just to make sure people who don't actually listen to Alex Jones or people on the right don't do so and they poison the well. 
Look, a lot of people who listen to Jones say he's pure entertainment value. He says crazy things. He went on my show and repeatedly claimed, you know, said, I am a gorilla over and over again. And we made a T-shirt about it. A lot of people just say it's entertaining to watch. But there have been instances, notably with like Epstein, where I think even Joe Rogan was like, he was right. Yo, I'm an apology. So Alex certainly is bombastic. He certainly should be more careful with, with how he speaks. But I definitely think the biggest thing the media fears about him is that people will listen to him, that he'll, he'll help get Trump support. I think this issue here, they're going to keep going after Alex Jones for sure. It's never going to stop. And I think it's because, well, Donald Trump recently hinted he's going to be running again in 2024. One of the most important things done by big tech to ensure Trump would lose was taking out some of his most prominent supporters on social media. So Paul Joseph Watson, Milo Yiannopoulos, Laura Loomer, and Donald Trump himself have all been removed. Trump has hinted at a 2024 run, and Twitter says they're not going to give his account back. It's not going to happen, no matter what, even if he becomes president. Again, so we'll see how that plays out. So long as we are locked down and unable to go out for the most part and communicate with each other and, and you know, share drinks and talk, communication is happening online where they control what you can say. Certain conversations are being removed from the equation. That, my friends, is fifth generational warfare. But let's read this story, see exactly what's going on, and then I'll talk to you about the context of what Alex Jones is saying and likely what he really means based on the fact that I've actually had two podcast episodes with the man. Huffington Post says, leaked video shows Alex Jones ranting that he is so effing sick of Trump. They say conspiracy theorist and far right radio talk show host Alex Jones, who has promoted Donald Trump to his audience extensively for years, is heard in a newly leaked video expressing disgust at the former president in 2019. Quote, it's the truth, and I'm just going to say it, that I wish I never would have effing met Trump, Jones says in the footage. I wish it never would have happened. And it's not the attacks I've been through. I'm so effing sick of Donald Trump, man. God, I'm effing sick of him. And I'm not doing this because like I'm kissing his effing A, you know, it's like I'm sick of it. Sick of it. Keyword. Filmmaker Kalen Robinson, who shot a propaganda film called You Can't Watch This. I love how they call it a propaganda film. Sure. Let's call literally every documentary a pop propaganda film so long it's related to politics. I mean, honestly, yes. They say it was called You Can't Watch This with the InfoWars host leaked the footage to the Southern Poverty Law Center's Hate Watch Initiative, which monitors far right extremism in the U.S. Kind of. They're also kind of far right extremists themselves, I, I think, based on their own metrics. Robertson told Hate Watch that Jones asked him to discard the footage, which he said was shot in, 20, in January 2019 in Austin, Texas. He provided text messages between him and Jones corroborating his account. Robertson shared the footage to expose how Jones is exploiting Trump supporters and his audience. He told the group during he told the group during that same shoot, he recalled Jones bragged about making tens of millions of dollars in 2018 and mocked his audience, claiming they would buy anything. Alex Jones doesn't care about most of the stuff he professes to, Robertson told Hatewatch. It just so shows he doesn't care about anything he talks about. He doesn't like Trump, but then he goes on camera talking about how much Trump is the savior. I think that's the that that's the, the misleading part. We don't know the full context from this video. It's entirely possible Jones is a disingenuous guy or at least hams it up a whole lot on his show. And I think it's fair to say that to a, to a varying degrees, he absolutely does ham things up. I mean, he has these wacky commercials, one where I think he like jumped through the ceiling or whatever. So I certainly think that in many instances, he is intentionally bombastic and rips his shirt off for entertainment value.
Some people have referred to his show as essentially the WWE of news. And it's funny to watch. I remember one time I was in Sweden. I was in Sweden during the whole Sweden thing because of, you know, Trump saying last night in Sweden. And I was at a Thai restaurant and we, we uh, me and my friend overheard some people laughing and we heard Alex Jones and looked and they were listening to Infowars and it was something like Alex Jones ripping his shirt off. So certainly it's very much entertainment based. But I've talked to Alex Jones and I wonder if I'll just put it this way. We talked about this live and I'm pretty sure he talks about this all the time. Donald Trump sucks the air out of the room. There's no room for conversations about anything else. Every single time the issue comes up and any single time there's a political debate or a political issue, it is Trump, Trump, Trump all the time, no matter what. But even the leftist media can't quit him. They love him. That's all they can talk about. So yeah, I'm sick of Donald Trump too. And that's why I'm like media. Can you shut up for a few minutes and just let us all chill out? I think most people are burned out. Across the board, viewership has taken a, a political viewership. So this, this happens every election, but it's been particularly noticeable this time. I got more views than I've ever gotten in the last year just before the election talking about news and politics. A bunch of other content creators didn't see the same kind of bumps. After the election, back down to normal levels where they were at the beginning of the year. It was a major and insane spike over people just wanting to learn and figure out what was going on. Pop culture was politics. Now, everybody's kind of sick of it. And I gotta be honest, so am I, which is why I've done, you know, I still do fairly political stuff. But like last night on IRL, we did a lot of cultural political issues because that that's actually, you know, a lot of what I used to talk about. It's funny that people on the left think that my channel is dedicated to politics. No, it was just a political year where literally pop culture was politics. But Jones is right when he says he's sick of Trump. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, he's talking in 2019. So there's a different that there is thing there, there are things to consider in terms of the time frame. But I think based on today, you know, I think when when Jones is on the podcast, we were like, we want to talk about aliens. We want to talk about conspiracies and the fifth dimension and all this other weird stuff. But it kept going back to Trump. And we said it over and over again on the show. This is no secret that Alex Jones is is up, is is tired of Trump. We all are. Trump supporters certainly love the man. They want to talk. They want to talk about him. That's fine. But most people, even conservatives and many Trump supporters are like, dude, we're going to sit back. We're going to chill out. We're going to wait until things start moving again. And then maybe just give us a break a little bit on the show. I kept saying you wanted to talk about aliens and like, you know, the Sphinx in Egypt and like the Library of Alexandria and all this stuff and Atlantis. And here we are just keeps coming back to Trump over and over again. So I think that's the frustration you hear from someone like Jones when he says he's sick of it. Because even he is addicted to Donald Trump. They go on to say, indeed, Jones has filled uh, his pockets by spreading fear and conspiracy theories and by selling products that capitalize on them. He has publicly been a fervent supporter of Trump, who he interviewed in 2015, throughout the course of his campaigns and presidency. In 2018, when Jones was banned from Twitter, Trump showed implicit support for him as he railed against the silencing of conservative voices. Jones claimed at the time that he was advising the president. On January 6th, Jones hyped up the crowd at Trump's March to Save America rally in Washington, D.C. Before attendees went on stage, a dead uh, went, went on to stage a deadly insurrection on the U.S. Capitol. The FBI and Justice Department are investigating whether Jones and other right wing figures may have played a role in inspiring that riot, according to The Washington Post. Is a Robertson, who has worked closely with many far right provocateurs, went viral himself in 2017 after he was filmed giving a racist and vitriolic speech following the Westminster Bridge terror attack in London. 
He has since tried to rehabilitate, rehabilitate his image. He told Hate Watch he is working to undo the damage he did while working with extremists, extremists like Jones. Infowars did not return uh, a comment. Okay. Well, that's another thing that they're, they're, they're talking about quite a bit. Last month, or I shouldn't say, I, I think in, in the past month, we've heard that they're investigating Alex Jones, and I mentioned like Ali Alexander, and, though, and to see like what role they played in inspiring the insurrection. Well, or they call it the insurrection. So I pulled up PBS. They have, they, they have this story. What conspiracy theorist Alex Jones said in the lead up to the Capitol riot. I wonder if what he said is uh, runs is contradictory to what he was saying in private. Was he was was he publicly telling people that he's sick of Trump? I got to be honest. I'm pretty sure he was. As I mentioned, he said it on my show. I'm pretty sure he was saying he's sucking all the air out of the room and we need to talk about other things. Let's get back to 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 all these other subjects that are more fun and things like that. But every single news outlet, every article, everything was always just about Trump. They were so obsessed with him. They still are. Well, did Alex Jones help to inspire anybody into, you know, storming the Capitol? Maybe you can say that he inspired people. I think it's kind of a stupid thing to say because you can inspire people by doing nothing. Sometimes, you know, some guy will be like, I need an idea for a song. And then he'll see a guy slip on a banana peel and be like, I am inspired by this. The banana peel guy had nothing to do with whether or not someone actually wanted to storm the Capitol or whatever. Now, I guess their argument is strong and powerful rhetoric led people to take extremist action, even when Alex Jones himself said, remain peaceful, you must be peaceful. Yeah, here's what they say. In the same video before setting off toward the Capitol, Jones told the crowd, we're here to take our rightful country back peacefully because we're not globalists, Antifa criminals. So let's start marching. And I salute you all. Once outside the Capitol, Jones was filmed bullhorn in hand. We are not Antifa. We are not BLM. You're amazing. I love you. Let's march around the other side and let's not fight the police and give the system what they want. We are peaceful and we won this election. As much as I love seeing the Trump flags flying over this, we need to not have the confrontation with police. They're going to make the story. I'm going to march to the other side. We're going to have a stage where we can speak and occupy peacefully. There you go. Alex Jones, they're accusing him of inspiring the, the, the storming of the Capitol. He explicitly said, according to frontline PBS, don't fight with the cops. There's a stage we're going to go occupy peacefully. And that is the legitimate, powerful tactic. And that's why all of these people who stormed in, and, and it's crazy to me, there, there are some people who genuinely believe it was Antifa. Look, there was John Earl Sullivan, the one far leftist guy. And then there was like a woman with him who's probably you consider of similar ideology. But it was Trump supporters, man. It was it was the right. I would I would put it this way. If Trump says be peaceful and these people ignored him, then I would say they're the people who stormed the Capitol were Trump supporters second. What I mean by that is they were they were more of whatever ideology they were than they were a Trump supporter, because if they weren't going to listen to what Trump said, they're clearly not in 100 percent support of the man. Right. Or at least they thought they were in one live stream. One person was like, Trump's going to be happy we're doing this, even though Trump was like, be peaceful and like cheer on politicians. And then they storm into the Capitol. Not everybody who went in stormed in, mind you, the police did open the doors in some circumstances, but you can see it right there. Criticize Alex Jones for for think for him being wrong. Criticize him for him. Uh, criticize him for being bombastic and all of that stuff. But make sure you get your facts right. It's remarkable to me. You know, I had Ryan Long on the IRL podcast. He was talking about how one of the most frustrating things in the news today and in politics is that someone will say something 
that's not true and tell you to confirm it. And then you have to defend someone or something you don't want to do. So they'll be like, why do you care so much about Trump? Why are you defending him? And you're like, dude, it's not that. It's like, stop making me say things that aren't true. I, I, you don't have to like the guy. Just be honest about it. They're not. The media likes to just pump out garbage. Now, hold, well, uh, mind you, props to Frontline CBS for showing the quote from, from Alex Jones, where he's literally saying, don't confront the police. They'll make the story. Go to the stage and be peaceful. So you're trying to say that this guy inspired the storming of the Capitol when he literally said, don't do this. Come on, man. There's a lot to criticize Jones for. He knows it. We all know it. We talk about it. Everybody's worthy of criticism, including myself. But you have to at least be honest, which is the most remarkable thing. You know what I really, really love is like I get these Twitter people. I ignore them for the most part where they're just like, your, your audience are the crazy conspiracy theorists, Tim, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. No, yeah, for sure. A lot of them, definitely. But a lot doesn't mean a majority. I don't I don't know the people behind, you know, look, I'm talking to a camera right now. It's like a little black rectangle with it with a with a glass lens in the middle. Y'all are watching my face. Do you see something totally different? I don't know how many people, uh, how, how many of the people who are watching are conspiracy theorists, but they try and claim that simply because conspiracy theorists watch my content. That means I'm making content for them. No, uh, quite the contrary. It's funny how they try and claim like all the QAnon people like like my show and watch me. I'm like, yeah, they probably do. And they probably watch Friends and they probably watched Marvel movies, too. OK, I get it. I do news and politics, but I've routinely said the Q stuff is completely unhinged. They don't want to tell you that stuff, though. They don't take it out of context because I think the goal is to poison the well. There are a lot of politically uninitiated people, and they're hoping that they can light them up before I guess the, uh, you know, the, the middle of the road people or the what's the right word? I don't necessarily know how to describe. It's not it's not right wing necessarily, although they'll try and claim it is. But it makes no sense when you have like anti woke leftists and they're like, it's right wing because you oppose the Democrats like Jimmy Dore. And I have very similar opinions on the Democrats and the establishment, but he's very much economically left. And I'm only somewhat economically left. So that makes me right wing. Whatever. I think it's poisoning the well. You'll get a traditional liberal. A lot of these people who don't know much about politics other than Republicans are bad and the Republican Party. Yeah, sure. I don't care. But Democrats, when when we're, they were asked to uh, rate how, how concerned they were with a variety of subjects, said the, the most threatening thing to them was Trump supporters. So what happens then is they come out with these stories where they're like, see, Alex Jones is lying to everybody. They don't want you to actually engage with what he is saying because you might then think critically and you might say, well, you know what? The guy's a bit bombastic. He does sell a lot of supplements. But uh, to be honest, you know, I, I understand what he's saying, but don't, don't agree, right? You might look at someone like Ben Shapiro, who they'll call far right or a Nazi, even though he's literally Jewish and was the prime, he's the number one target of the alt-right. I think it was in like 2019 or something. They'll tell you those things about him and they'll, they'll smear, they'll smear Jordan Peterson because they're worried about what they might say. It's that, it's that line from, it's the line from uh, Game of Thrones, Tyrion Lannister. When you cut out, a, cut out a man's tongue, you are not proving him false. You're merely proving you fear what he might say. And that's a really good point. They do it with clever manipulation. They don't want you. They don't want these people coming and watching my channel. So they'll take clips out of context and they'll make it seem like I'm saying things that I'm not really saying. They'll purposefully splice things together. There was one. It was really great where Luke Rudkowski, who was on the IRL podcast, for, he's on vacation right now, but he was on the IRL podcast for the past couple of months, was criticizing Democrats for praising Joe Biden. And they spliced this video together to make it seem like 
he was mocking leftists who are critical of the Democrats when he was he's, he's actually in agreement with them. So it's just one example where they'll try and make people think we're the the evil other. Don't don't listen to what we have to say. But what they're really trying to do is stop people from thinking freely, thinking critically. Now, I'll tell you, look, there's real danger to the unhinged conspiracies. Check this out. Security in D.C. is beefed up further after Capitol Police receive intelligence of a militia plot to breach the Capitol by far right group three percenters on Thursday, the day QAnon loyalists believe Trump will be made president again. Okay, this, you know. So the conspiracy, I guess, now is that March 4th is the real inauguration day because I guess Ulysses S. Grant was the last president or something inaugurated on the 4th. And then, you know, I, I, it's, it's not going to happen. Donald Trump is not even entertaining the idea. He's not speaking about this. He's talking about a potential 2024 run. How can you literally have the president himself say, maybe I'll run a th- for a third time? And then people believe he's actually secretly plotting to be inaugurated on the 4th. That's just insane, man. Look, maybe there will be some right wing groups or whatever. I really don't believe they're going to show up on the fourth. That's also unhinged. How crazy everyone's become. When CNN shows up to a bunch of crazy people on a park who are holding up signs saying Trump is is going to be inaugurated on the fourth. It's like, okay, fine. But then don't act like that's literally every Trump supporter because it's not. And then you get the Democrats saying like, Trump supporters are going to storm because they really believe this. Like, well, stop watching CNN, I guess, because they're the ones who are making it seem like that's everybody. And there lies the problem. I don't think you should stop watching CNN. I think you need to know what they're thinking. But the problem is if you only watch them and you don't think critically and read other news or listen to what Alex Jones is saying, not because he's right, but because you need to understand why he's wrong when he's wrong. You need to know what people are saying so you can assess the situation properly and have all the information. The problem Democrats just follow whatever it is CNN says, and CNN is just doing whatever they think the left wants, and they get that from Twitter. And Twitter is a bunch of woke lunatics that don't represent the average person. So now all of these fringe leftist policies are taking over critical race theory garbage, and regular people don't want it. They don't like it. And it's only going to get worse for everybody because of it. Because then the mainstream media runs these garbage stories. Regular people who aren't paying attention mostly ignore it. Some politically active people then say, okay, I guess, I guess that's what the left wants. And congratulations, you end up with insane policies that bring back segregation, like at universities. You got to think critically. Well, if you read the New York Times, they say thinking critically may not actually be the answer. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, no. You, you need to think critically. You need to read and watch. Look, when they put out this clip from Alex Jones, can you show me the full context? And then they say Jones said he wanted the, the clip removed. What Jones actually said was, don't show me, you know, complaining or whining or whatever, whatever. That's what he said. He didn't say, don't tell anybody I was complaining about Trump. I'm pretty sure he complains about Trump, on, about how he's sick of Trump on his own show. But they don't want you to know that. If you don't actually watch it, if you've not actually watched my podcast with him, you might think the, the whole time he's just screaming Trump is the best, which he does do a lot. Don't get me wrong. But then you'd miss the context where he complains about the addiction in media and how it needs to change. Well, there you go, man. Welcome to another lesson in fake news and manipulation, I guess. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Progressives in the media were outraged that the stage at CPAC looked like something called the Odal Rune, a symbol used by the Nazis in Germany. 
The stage, to be completely honest, actually does look like the rune. But the conspiracy was that the conservatives at this conference did it on purpose. It was a dog whistle. They wanted you to know that they were evil, evil people. And they wanted it front and center with every conservative standing on the stage so you knew. Well, the Twitterati and the liberals in the media were, were screeching at the top of their lungs, saying there's no way it was an accident. We now know. The company that designed the stage is owned by a Democrat, liberal woman, and they're coming after her. They're take, this, this company, based in Maryland, is now taking responsibility for designing the stage, saying they did not realize what it looked like. Now, immediately, well, I, I should say first, when people started screaming, Runegate, Runegate, the conservatives are standing on this symbol. Sane people said, oh, shut up. Who cares? It's not there's no grand conspiracy. They're not dog whistling anybody. It's just a stage. Calm down. Stage two is the realization that it was actually a Democrat who did this. They're, they apologized for this and they had no idea. But you actually have Hyatt, the hotel agency, saying, I can't believe the Republicans would do this. We are outraged by this hate symbol. And then the conservatives firing back, saying, like, you can't cancel us. Think about how dumb this world is. But I posit, I propose to you, friends, while it may be that the liberal outrage in the media backfired horribly against a Democrat-owned company, perhaps a grand conspiracy, why would CPAC hire a Democrat-run firm to design CPAC? This woman apparently was seriously happy when Joe Biden won. And you know what the left says, not the entirety of the left, but for the most part, about conservatives. Oh, they're all Nazis. So is it a coincidence that a Democrat-run firm designed the CPAC stage to look like a rune? Maybe. Probably. I doubt this woman would want to destroy her own business to own the cons. Well, check out this tweet from Mike Sonovich. She says, Democrats destroyed a female Democrat-owned business, smearing them as Nazis to land blows against conservatives. Stop being naive, y'all. They will put your families in gulags if they take real power. Yashir Ali, is, a, is he tweeted, and Mike Cernovich is quoting this tweet, said, one, I know Design Foundry because they handle design for many events in D.C. for companies like MSNBC and Target. They oversaw the design of the Biden Cancer Summit in 2018. The owner, Annie, is very liberal and was so excited for Biden's victory Great work, conspiracy theorists. And here it is. You can see the image, right? Here's forward.com. Design firm takes responsibility for CPAC stage controversy. You can see the stage. And I guess it's weird. There's, there's like these cutouts that make the, sh the stage shaped oddly. And then there's this design. And I got to be honest. Look, let's be real. You can see the rune. You can see it. Like there's a triangle here to like, it makes it a rune. Now, was it done intentionally? Probably not. Y'all remember Tariq Nasheed? He is the, he's this dude on Twitter. He, he referred to himself at one point, I believe he did, as a black identity extremist. He's very much into that, you know, narrative stuff, anti-whiteness, whatever you want to call it. He calls everybody suspected white supremacists, or he did at one point. He once designed a logo and it was for his organization in the negative space. If, if, if Are you familiar with negative space? It basically means like you can draw a picture and the negative space is where you didn't draw, but you can still see things in negative space. So like 
If you were to take a red square and then punch a hole in the shape of the letter, you know, T, that would be a negative space, right? In his logo, the negative space formed <laughs> Nazi symbol. You know what I mean? And everybody called him out for it. And he was like, I didn't even realize that. He just made like a symbol that was supposed to be like a flower or something. I'm not trying to drag the guy. He's allowed to have his opinions, whether we agree or not. But I don't think he was intentionally trying to do that. And so things like this happen. Now, I will say it is funny that it's supposedly a dog whistle to conservatives like they can see the stage. And it was heard overwhelmingly and only by liberals. The conservatives putting on the conference didn't even realize it was happening. Talk about stupid. I'm sorry. CPAC hired a Democrat to design their stage and then this happens. Look, I have no reason to believe it's anything other than a coincidence, not a conspiracy. But, you know, I, I doubt this lady wanted to destroy her business, right? But it, it does make you think, like, why would, why would you do this? Why wouldn't you take this very, very seriously? Now, we have this, this, this story. Let me read a little bit, a little bit from, forward, uh, uh, from forward about what's happening with CPAC and this controversy. Again, the gist of this is Democrats and liberals on Twitter and the media were trying to attack conservatives over this. And it turns out it's backfiring on literally the woman who, who, who did the design for Joe Biden's cancer event. And she's a liberal Democrat. Forward says the company that was hired to set up the stage at the conservative political action conference in Orlando last weekend has taken full responsibility for the design of the stage that resembled a Nazi insignia. In an exclusive statement to The Forward on Tuesday evening, Design Foundry, a stage design firm based in Hyattsville, Maryland, said it had no idea that the design resembled any symbol, nor was there any intention to create something that did. The organizers of CPAC have announced that it will not use the firm for future events. Image of the CPAC main stage, which featured Donald Trump's first post-presidency speech on Sunday, went viral online. As observers noted, its resemblance to the Odal or Rune, a symbol emblazoned on Nazi uniforms. After the conclusion of the event, Hyatt Hotels released a statement saying that it had addressed the concerns of the conference organizers and denounced the use of symbols as of such symbols as abhorrent. I, I, this is, I, 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 you know what, my friends, the left can come at me all day and night. I haven't, I, I used to get flack a lot from more like alt-right individuals for obvious reasons. But the left are the ones who have the sustained pressure. They'll never get me to quit. I like talking about what I like talking about. They're important issues. But I'll tell you what might actually get me to finally snap and be like, yo, I'm out. I'm going fishing in a van down by the river. Stories like this. This is what we've become. This is this is it. Am I supposed? This is what I have to talk to you about. There are a bunch of other stories. Don't worry. I'll get to them as well. But Hyatt, a massive multinational corporation, presumably, I'm, I'm assuming Hyatt's all over the world. It's huge. Denounced the stage at the CPAC because liberals complained, but it turns out a liberal made the thing. What happened to this country? I can go back to the 90s and watch George Carlin spout out every racial slur in the book to make a point about why racism is bad and differentiating between a true racist and someone just trying to make a point. Why is it, you know, the other day we had Ryan Long on the IRL podcast. Boy, you would love to be a fly on the wall in these room, in this room as we talk about like offensive jokes and what works and what doesn't. And one of the things we were talking about is like, it's really crazy that 
in the Family Guy era, in the Simpsons era, in the South Park era, you intentionally were over the top and just extreme in these jokes. And it was acceptable because we knew it wasn't legit. Now, you can't even explain the joke without someone coming after you. Now, this is political discourse in this country. You know, there's a hunger and a thirst for a constant rage. The Democrats need Republicans to be villains so they can drum up media outrage. I think the problem is the media. That's it. You take away the media. Watch how quickly things calm down. People will start focusing on things like, I don't know, getting chickens. I bought a bunch of chicken coops. They're like little houses. And they have a front. It's like a house, right? And there's a front yard for the little house. And it's like a little cage so that predators can't get the chicken. That's what I'm going to do. That's what's, that's what's going to be fun for me. I'm going to have little chicken and they're going to have food. And I'm not going to think about how stupid everyone is. But, you know, then I do this job and I talk about this. I'll just point out, well, I certainly think it's dumb to talk about all of this. It's like it's like grade school level drama garbage seeping into politics. I can at least say that sentence, right? Can we all just be like, can this can this channel just be the people who are sitting back saying these people have lost their minds? I don't blame conservatives for this. They didn't do anything. They just went and had their rally. And the and the, it's it's. Isn't it always the left? Not every single time, obviously. I mean, there's dumb things like when Trump said you should go to jail for burning the American flag and Candace Owens agreed. I'm like, nah, that's dumb. Free speech. If you want to burn the flag, just as long as it's your flag and the fire isn't a danger to somebody, eh, well, do your thing. You know what I mean? People burned a bunch of Nike gear. That's private property. So it's not always the right, but it is typically the left, right? They say images of the CPAC main stage, you know, is denounced as abhorrent. Design Foundry said that the American Conservative Union approved the stage design, which was intended to provide the best use of space given the constraints of the ballroom and social distancing requirements. According to the terms of the contract signed with Design Foundry and shared with the forward, the ACU approved the design but had no rights to change the design or dismantle the stage. The designs, renderings, drawings, specifications, materials, and other documents used or created as part of the proposed are owned by Design Foundry, the contract reads. Design Foundry has worked with CPAC for several years and has provided services to MSNBC and major corporations, including Google, Citibank, and Target. Ian Walters, director of communications for the ACU and CPAC, told The Forward on Tuesday that the design firm provided several options for us to choose from, and what we ended up with was the most workable on the options they submitted. ACU and CPAC have no interest in promoting anti-Semitism from our stage, whether it's what happens on the stage or the design of the stage itself. It's clear that the company we retained designed a stage that has become an unwelcome distraction. As a result, we will not be using that company's services going forward at future events. Design Foundry said it was saddened and horrified at the accusation that this was a deliberate act. Design Foundry denounces all hate speech and acts of racism, prejudice or bigotry in all uh, in all forms. I don't know. Uh, cue the uh, cliche. Liberals are the real racists, I guess. No, I think it was an accident. I think this is just how stupid everyone's become. It's crazy, huh? We have this tweet here from Mike Rothschild. Mike on Twitter uh, says he is a conspiracy debunker and skeptic. He's, he's writing about, he writes about QAnon and things like that. He says, remember all those people who knew the CPAC, that knew the stage at CPAC was definitely patterned after a Nazi rune? They were definitely wrong. Some other infestations of Nazi horror designed by those fascists at Design Foundry, the Mandela 100 Years Gala, and the Biden Cancer Summit. Look what else they designed. Absolutely insane. Now, 
I, I will say it's kind of odd that the one thing they designed, like the one event they designed for that looks really weird was the CPAC. It was CPAC. I wonder, look, the reason why I don't think it was a conspiracy, like this lady at Design Foundry was like, I'll trick the Republicans into putting a Nazi symbol, haha, is because the contract clearly states they designed it. There was no circumstance in which the media would get wind of this, that it wouldn't end up blowing up in the face of the Democrat woman running this company. Mike Rothschild says, nobody's going to admit they were wrong because, hey, it's Twitter. But it's clear that Design Foundry designed the stage, the ACU approved it, and it wasn't meant to look like a rune. Now, can we please go back to hating CPAC for its ideas, not its stage design? Here, here, good sir, I completely agree. If you've got a problem with Ted Cruz and Donald Trump, talk about Ted Cruz and Donald Trump. Don't distract everyone from the dumb stage design. Why am I even talking about this? <sighs> I should make videos about, I don't know, skateboarding or something. Hey, guys, here's a productive thing. Here's how to do a kickflip backside tail slide. Big spin out. That's skateboarding. You probably Most people are probably like, I have no idea what you said. Some skateboarders are probably like, that's a cool trick. Mike Rothschild says, folks, I'm a liberal Jew with the last name Rothschild who writes about conspiracies and extremism. If the CPAC stage were actually a rune, I'd be screaming about it. Instead, I'm debunking it because it's not. Congratulations. The Democrat media liberal types have just damaged. I don't know if they destroyed the company, but seriously damaged it. Because I have to imagine now there's going to be a stigma. I mean, would you want to work with a company that did this? Think about it. I mean, CPAC is saying they're not going to work with them. So their bottom line's taking a hit. MSNBC might be like, you guys did that stage thing. That's controversy we do not want to be involved in. Some journalist is going to write about it. And we're going to look bad. Sorry. Bye-bye. It very well may be, well, extremely damaging for the company to say the least. I wonder, however, if, you know, ultimately people will just get over it. But I will say there was a post I saw on Facebook. I see this all the time. These liberals are like, Republicans keep screaming cancel culture, but cancel culture isn't real. There was a lady who opened a Chinese food restaurant. Uh Oh, she was white. It got shut down. It, it, I guess people didn't want to go there. I don't know what happened. There were apparently ladies in the Pacific Northwest who opened like a taco cart. And then they were accused of culturally appropriating taco tacos from Mexico or something. And it's like, that's cancel culture, man. Just because you expect celebrities to be the ones who are victimized by this doesn't mean that it's fake. And just because a Republican says it doesn't mean it's immediately false. Now, here's the most remarkable thing about how dumb this whole situation is. The Hyatt actually released this statement on CPAC 2021. When we learned that the CPAC 21 stage design had been compared to a symbol of hate, we promptly raised this concern with meetings or meeting organizers who strongly denied any connection to such symbols. Had we initially recognized the potential connections to hate symbols, we would have proactively addressed it prior to commencement of the event. Unfortunately, this became clear to us only after the event kicked off with CPAC's denial of any intentional connection to hate symbols and our concerns over the safety of our guests and colleagues in what could have been a disruptive situation. We allowed the, the event to continue. We understand and respect the opinions of those who might disagree with that decision. Our own values support a culture that is characterized by empathy, respect, and diversity of opinions and backgrounds. I can respect that statement. And we strive to bring this to light through what we do and how we engage with those in our care. We do not always agree with or share the same values as groups, hostings, hosting meetings, and events at our hotels. And while we may not always get it right, 
we strive to strike the right balance among our customers' rights to express themselves in their meetings and events, inclusivity, 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 and our role in providing meeting facilities. CPAC responded. Apparently, I guess they're getting canceled. In this tweet from CPAC 2021, they say, this letter to Hyatt Hotels is our declaration that we will not let them cancel us with these lies. With these lies. Okay. Well, they wrote this whole letter and they say, when we learned of the orchestrated assault on us, we immediately contacted your senior management to set the record straight. Together, we quickly responded to these slanderous accusations. Your hotel's senior management was on notice and acknowledged that these claims were false and agreed to share any statement before its release. We agreed that coordination was critical so that the general public would know the truth and that you would treat your customer with honesty. Thus, we were shocked that the Hyatt waited until after the conference concluded to issue additional statements, ones that are irresponsible, untrue, and contribute to a climate of division and hatred. My stars and garters, my friends. This is where this is this is where we're at. Has it always been this way? You know, to, to those of you that are, are are older than I, has it always been like this? Where like nonsensical, petty high school drama dominates political discourse? Are we children? Maybe, just maybe. I romanticize the past because I was unfamiliar with the stupidity of the political space. And maybe that's true. I mean, Bill Clinton got, you know, Randy with an intern. And that was like the apocalypse, I guess. Uh, You know, I suppose he lied. And there was some other stuff involved that led to that, you know, ultimate statement and the definition of is is or whatever. I was too young. And maybe it just seemed, I don't know, like it was bigger and better. Let me tell you something. You learn this when you get older. The people who are in charge don't know anything. I mean, they, they do. I mean, there's talent and there's skills and there's experience. Don't get me wrong. But it's really remarkable when you get to a point where when you're younger, you think about the world in terms of experts and the, the best of the best, the pros who really are smart, who really are the best. And then something changes when you become an adult and you realize it's just a bunch of regular people who are as dumb as anybody else. Here's what, here's what you need to realize. And this one goes especially for all the conspiracy theorists. Let me tell you the truth. When you are sitting in one of those really boring meetings at work and everyone's sitting around and you're like, man, nobody has any idea what they're talking about. It's a waste of our time. Meetings are awful. And how often are they just doing these really dumb things? Like you ever do a meeting where like the boss says, before we get started with the meeting, I'd like to do a round of compliments to like get everybody in the mood. Can you provide a compliment, Jim? They do these dumb exercises in these corporate scenarios. That's literally how the world is run. That's that's not unique to you and your experience. The stupidity you experience. Imagine like you got a customer coming in and being like, I want to speak to the manager. And then you're like, what's the problem? I want the manager now. And you're like, OK, OK. And the manager comes out. What's wrong? You you sold me this, you know, piece for my car, but it was the wrong piece. Man, that's the piece you brought us. See the thing you wrote down. It was your fault. And she's screaming and she won't take no for an answer. And then the guy calls her a Karen and then uh, that happens in politics. It's so dumb. Here we go. Nobody wants to take responsibility for something dumb. And I do think CPAC or the ACU definitely should have been looking at these things. But if you don't know, how do you know to look for? That's a problem, right? These people don't know what they don't know. They saw the stage and they said, looks cool, I guess. It uh, it fits in the ballroom. There's there's one thing I will point out. These things, these things right here. Okay, for those that are listening, it's a it's a diamond shape with like wings coming out, I guess. 
And the wings don't provide any stage purpose, which is why I thought it was strange that they did this. But I think ultimately, sometimes these things happen. And if you're the, the craziest thing to me is the left is always screaming about dog whistles. And I'm like, yo, if the conservatives can't hear them, I wonder who the dog whistle is actually for. It's for the Democrats. It's for the leftists, the people who sit there and do nothing but screech and rant about dumb stuff like this, which brings us to the high school-esque drama that is the political space. And it is. I mean, look, you got, I don't care if they're Democrat or Republican. You got AOC, you've got, you know, Ted Cruz, you've got people and they, they clap back. Obviously, Cruz isn't as, nearly as bad as AOC, but AOC is like, AOC really is a good example of high school drama. You know, just clap, clap, clap. We need a minimum wage. And you're like, okay, dude, these are complex problems that require like complex solutions. You can't just demand we print money and make all businesses pay. You know, it's like we should raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. And it's like, yes, but is it only going to be for companies that have at least like 200 employees because you can't do the small business? We got to get more in depth on this. It's not so simple to just snap your fingers. Where does the money come from? What's the result? What can we expect? Will this actually improve the lives of people? Or is it going to result in minimum wage jobs becoming more expensive, increasing labor costs, causing a price prices to go up? And then everyone's like, look at Denmark. And it's like, dude, Denmark is a tiny country. It doesn't, you can't compare it. It would be like trying to compare all of the EU and its economic crisis to one. Co- no, you can't do it. Anyway, I digress. Isn't it stupid? Well, I don't know, my friends. For some reason, we all keep coming back to this stuff. I guess if you don't talk about it, then it really does fall apart. It is, as it was described, we're all on a treadmill. If you stop moving, you move backwards. If you're walking, you're staying where you are. You have to run to get ahead. But in this context, I would view it as we're all on a treadmill. And if you stop walking, things just get worse. So we do have to maintain this stuff, have these conversations and call it out lest it gets stupider than it already is. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. Thank you so much for hanging out and I will see you all then.